This week, we get our 60 billion double dollars worth. Because this land was meant for love and the peace. Love and the peace. Love and the peace. Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Garrett. And we watch anime. Garrett, this week I feel like you deserved a little bit of a treat. Um, one that includes all of your favorite genres wrapped into a classic veneered bow. We got action, we got a western, we got good music, and most importantly, no high school. <laughs> this week we cover the classic adult swim staple, Trigun. But, uh, so Garrett, uh, what did you think of this thing before we begin? Well, just like those heartwarming NBC The More You Know ads, yes, it does get better after high school. <laughs> uh, also, we learn yet again that the more clueless a protagonist is, the more successful they will be. Exactly. It's like, you know, if you don't really think too hard about it, you'll eventually become the superhuman gunslinger. Yes. So, Idiot savant. Yes. They're, they're the best. They're, of course, the best. Uh, but before we begin, I want to make a quick plug to say that we want people to encourage you to rate and comment on our podcast pages. It's the way that it'll list our podcast up higher. Um, and we want more people to have eyes and ears on the podcast. So thank you in advance for doing that. Uh, but Garrett, once again, we are doing the Adult Swim staple Trigun. Um, anybody who's heard of this may have seen it in commercials for Adult Swim. That is how most of the people in the United States watched it was through Adult Swim. Uh, the manga came out in 1995, and it ended in 1997, with the anime running through 1998. Um, this show meant a lot to me, because growing up, uh, before I was actually a fan of anime, I remember seeing, like, an older box set for Trigun in my cousin's, uh, like, library, and I was like, wow, that looks so cool. We got the glasses and the gun and the red trench coat and the, and the spike yeah. hair. And that was at the time when I was spiking my hair, so I thought <laughs> the spiky hair was cool. Everybody Mark had spiky blonde Sammy, hair. All the same. <laughs> Uh. So, so uh gary did you have you heard of this show prior to me like expounding upon you that you have to watch it no i i hadn't heard anything about trigon in fact i'm still trying to figure out why it's called trigon because at no point is there three guns yes uh, unless that's like the ultimate payoff and it was probably my wife's biggest issue with the intro she kept going but there's only two guns why is it trigon Watch it's like um, Rosebud for uh, Citizen Kane. It's like the last scene is Vash to Stampede with both of his guns. And he goes, the third gun was in my heart all along. And a third gun comes out and it's just like. Try it was my sled. It was, it was my, my sled. <laughs> Spoiler alert for a movie that came out in the 1930s. 30s. Probably. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So I, I hadn't heard much about Trigun. And I got to be honest with you, even the idea of Adult Swim, I mean. So essentially, you know, I we're of the generation where I think I kind of watched stop watching Cartoon Network at mm -hmm. I don't know the close of South Park, which would be what like ten p.m. right nine nine thirty ten p.m. and then it would kick over into Adult Swim and mm -hmm. what did it start at ten or eleven and it was just like two hours of just stuff that they could get cheaply the rights to. Yeah, usually it was, it went from, it was, Futurama Family Guy was the staple. Like, if we were watching yep. TGIF, this is your full house and family matters. And then they just rotated crap into the past, back two of it. Um, mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, Perfect Strangers was a great show. So if you have a chance to watch yes. it, please watch it. But 
this and then after that they had their um William Street shows, you know, the ones that like yes. are really hit or miss on whether they're funny or not. Like, like Boondock and stuff. Like Boondock. But no, well actually like Boondock. It's like the Tim and Eric kind of shows, like that are just stupid and like I know people are I'm probably gonna get crap for this, but like I don't find that kind of humor funny that like dry, right. like, you know, I have a hammer and then hold position for like three hours and then hope that that's funny. Like that's uh, not oh, my style like, of humor. Uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force? Yes, exactly. Is that like Aqua Teen Hunger Force style humor? And then if yes, you like, swap- Why is there a that, talking, why is there Fry Man? Right, exactly. And like by 12, 31 o'clock, you were able to get like really good Japanese anime after that. And Trigun was one of them. And it usually wasn't even like the first one. So you literally had to be up till like two in the morning. That's like Showtime at the Apollo levels of waiting <laughs> in order to get to this anime. <laughs> it's, it's when you wonder who for the past, I know he's off the air now, who for the past 20 years stayed up until 2 a.m. to watch Carson Daly. Right, like, exactly. Like, like, this guy has a show. And someone had to have. Says, hey, yeah. you see Carson Daly? Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to go down a tangent too deeply, but I just want to say, I don't think you and I have ever spoken about this, but I had more dumb laughs guffaws watching space ghost coast to coast mm -hmm. and that was on at like 11 or 12 on a, yeah like, like there's some that like snuck by that i think were really funny like metalocalypse i thought was hysterical you yeah. know you and i both love that show yes. and so i i have to give william street credit if it wasn't for them i wouldn't we wouldn't see half these shows so for them you know thank you guys i'm not gonna give mm -hmm. you any other crud well i'll accept your bad humor for the sake of getting the really good anime that i yeah. that i know oh, you're not gonna laugh at frylock and no. I'm, saying, I'm, I'm saying his name again uh basically to prove that his name is not Fryman, as i said before <laughs> and i don't want anyone to give me or crap me and, or and grumble at home he doesn't even know it's frylock Duh, it his be... fries are dreadlocks <laughs> so yeah we trigon has like a special place in our hearts it's an early 2000s staple mm -hmm. um but what's interesting about the show more than anything is that it tanked in japan Ooh. the show did not do well in japan and actually what happened was the manga came out the the, the manga artist's magazine that he posted the original first half of trigun like ran out of money so he just lost the magazine okay. that in and then when another company picked him up they said all right you can start a series he goes no i want to continue this one so he had to like kind of do trigun again mm -hmm. and that didn't do well nor did the anime huh. so once again like you were you were theorizing one time that adult swim probably got anime that is really cheap because they're not really famous like the one pieces probably didn't come till adult swim had a lot more money this mm -hmm. was like when they were broke and they could only afford the triguns right. and the but in north america it became a cult hit we huh. loved this show. And I think that right there is an interesting, um, uh, right. interesting piece that's right for a Like, why did this resonate so much with American audiences? Is yeah, it why, why did it appeal to American sensibilities, but it failed so bad? I mean, it's It got, seemed like it's also pandering to Western audience, if you think about it. It's like very cowboys, you know. Yeah, but at the same time, like, we've discussed how a lot of times Western culture is very in vogue in mm -hmm. the East. Yeah. So, like, look, there are a ton of blonde characters in anime. Right. How many blonde people are in Asia? I mean, if we're just being honest, my my cousin and his children and their his wife, they're all blonde, and people stop on the street and take photos of them. Yeah. Because they're blonde. So but they put it in their anime. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways they emulate, or at least I think they emulate Western right. culture. And uh yeah, so you'd think that they put enough things in there that, you know. Yes, I, I, and I think it's fascinating. And once again, like, I think the this was like this in the Cowboy Bebops of the world, 
the Samurai Champloos of the world, it hit this like college age appreciation of anime because it wasn't kiddish. It wasn't yeah. like, you know, Vasha Stampede's not trying to become the Pirate King. You know, Vasha Stampede's not trying to like become the Hokage. Like he's just trying to get by and like people are still trying to kill him throughout that process. Yeah, he, he's got like these, these moral, um, he has these baselines and these, these things he won't cross. And, right. and it's something that would be too heavy for a young audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they might get some of the more actiony parts, but they wouldn't understand mm-hmm. how he's a gunman who rarely pulls the trigger. And I think it also hit the United States at the right time of like, we didn't really have adult cartoons really until like the family guys of the world came around. That didn't really come around to the early two thousands. Like the Simpsons did their best, but it wasn't like yeah. adult themed cartoons with a lot of like adult themed ideas, like say for the, you know, the Treehouse of horrors, like, Mm-hmm. the world wasn't really taken in all these like adult car- cartoons. Just like you said, South Park was one uh, family guy came in and I think yeah. anime kind of fit into that edgy cartoon, you know, tidal wave that allowed like, well, you know, well, like anything, whether it be humor, whether it be violence, we let a lot more stuff go in its animation because we disassociate it from real life. And we think right. it's not real versus, mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, you can't have like, you couldn't have George went mm. beat up a chicken and and put it on television, but if Peter Griffin beats up a, t- a chicken, you can put it on television. I think we should try to get George Went to have a fight with a chicken at some point, you know? Norm! <laughs> so, Garrett, um, all, that's a joke from a show that was, like, even too old for our, our time, but, uh, Garrett, you know, just so we don't uh, beat around the bush, what is Trigun about? What are the main characters? What's what, what are we talking about, especially the first couple episodes? What's All right, so um, Trigun follows uh, the travels as a sort of this vagabond uh, mm-hmm. called Va- Vash the Stampede, or otherwise known as the Humanoid Typhoon, which is arguably the dorkiest nickname for the someone. The attempts of being edgy in this show are hysterical. So, and I think that's one of them. Like, he's, he's Vash the Stampede. That should be enough of a nickname. Oh, that's a badass name. That's a badass name. Vash the Stampede is a great name. And then he's like, but he's the Humanoid Typhoon. Like, stop. Uh, it's like when when hunter Hearst helmsley wants to call himself the game it's like no 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 you're fine you're fine with, or he's like i want to be the cerebral assassin no stop being the cerebral assassin the game is fine stop giving yourself nicknames all right <laughs> so vasha stampede is uh the way, I, can't keep, I can't allow you to keep calling him vash call it vash vash the stampede vash vag the stampede <laughs> okay Vash is traveling around um, sort of this desert landscape. Right. You're a little, uh, if if you were to just give it a quick glance, you'd say it sort of seems like uh, Earth, but it's devolved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether there was some apocalyptic event or something mm-hmm. like that. But there's also these large looming structures that almost appear like pieces of spaceships over each mm-hmm. of the towns. But they might be powered uh, plants, but it just, it sort of has that post-apocalyptic feel to it. Uh, Again, heavy, heavy notes of serenity. I mean, this came out around the same time. So, you know, late night. Like we're never going to leave high school. We're never going to leave Firefly. It's going to be like the two things that run the course in in the Weeb and Noob Watch anime podcast. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, But so Vash is, is, is traveling around and he is, he's feared. 
Yeah. And the first episode is called the 60 billion trillion uh, man. But no, he has a warrant and a reward on his head that is absurd. Mm-hmm. 20, 30, 40, 50 times the closest badass that mm-hmm. is around. But when you meet him, he seems like a real heck of a nice guy. And you sort of come to find out that he's just sort of bumbling through this world and really bad things happen around him. Mm-hmm. And he's got a great moral compass and he wants good, but he's just sort of like, dee, 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 dee. oh, bandits want to kidnap me for this, you know, giant reward and half the town gets blown up in the process. And it's never by him, but mm-hmm. he's always adjacent to it, which mm-hmm. is why he gets this reputation for being right. this terrible person is Vash the step Vash comes to your town and it half of it blows up or everyone loses money or power goes away or whatever the travesty is and he never directly causes it but his he's always around it and you know where there's smoke there's fire and so he gets blamed with it and we get introduced to two other characters early on uh Meryl Strife and I think her name is Millie Thompson but yep, Millie? Millie Millie yeah Millie um, and they are essentially two insurance adjusters. They're insurance adjusters. I love that, like, the, the secondary characters are, like, Liberty Mutual staff members walking around going, can you not blow up things? Can you, can you just, like, for the sake of our business, can you stop blowing up these towns? So, so this billion double dollar man. They work for the Bernadelli Insurance Society. And of like, there's Italians in this world? Like, what is going on? So, um... But through now, I watched six episodes. I think through nostalgia, you watched seven, eight, or nine, or something. But I've, like I mean, I I think just by the right of like me just being up during adult time, I've seen this series like several times through. So okay. I know everything that happens. Okay. So um, these characters are hunting for Vash not because they want to arrest him or because they want mm-hmm. the reward, but because their company is losing so much money by paying out. Now remember how I described this world post apocalyptic Mm -hmm. everyone lives in immense poverty and yet (laughs) they still all manage to have insurance policies right it's vashon sir insurance you need you need stampede insurance and i think what's interesting about this show as well is um the first thing i wanted to bring up is that you brought up the post-apocalyptic world and you'll notice a lot of shows like even dragon ball z like the one of the more famous famous shows all the fights happen in like rocky deserts and I want to say that's because animation was expensive then. And so you had to pick like... Easy set pieces? Easy set pieces. That's why I think like Fist of the North Star I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Dragon Ball Z. I'm thinking of this show. I'm thinking of a lot of shows that existed. Like even Cowboy Bebop, right? Like there were some really good set pieces, but a lot of it was set in like deserts and yeah. stuff like that. So I think there was a lot of inclination to just save money to get these set pieces to work. And I just think that like... but And they just kind of modeled the story after it. Yep. The second thing is, um, is Vash the Stampede, as you said, has a moral compass. And that, and just for those out there, just to get some clarification, it's very specific, is that he will not kill someone. Uh, and this is um, to kind of tie into another thing that we talked about in a previous uh, show um, uh, during Kakegurui when we talked about the OP character. Right. He is an OP character, right? Gotcha. He doesn't seem like it because he's always yeah. bumbling and stumbling and all that stuff, but he's mm-hmm. very competent. Like, he's able to shoot... Like a like a mechanized mechanized drill bit, shooting at a group of people with five bullets and able to push it away. Right. Like he's very competent with his gun, yeah. and he's very easy at evading attacks. He's very overpowered. Um, 
But the way you, you kind of hold back an OP character like this, one of the ways you do it is by giving him really hard restrictions, right? This, and his restriction is he can't kill anyone. Everybody wants to murder him, but he can't kill anybody. Another show that does this called Roroni Kenshin, which I think you and I will watch as well because it's another um, Adult Swim show. But, you know, that's generally what you're going to find with Vash. Is like, a character that tries to do this, but it's been poked fun of recently because he fails, is Batman. Because he actually kills everyone, even though he vows to never kill anyone. Just like the college humor version of it, where yeah. he's like, he throws a battering and goes like right through the guy's eye. He's, like, he's asleep. He's sleeping. What are you talking about? Uh, I punch him. You guys watch your sheep. Like that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I think another thing that like why I was hoping you'd get a little further in the show and I'm glad you did mm-hmm. um, is I hated for me what I was like, I wanted him to kind of get away from really quickly was is he Vash or not? Is he not Vash subplot that they were trying to pull that like for the longest time they were oh, trying to Oh, make- because, because Meryl and Millie didn't believe he was really Vash. Yes. I, I don't know if I... I I never thought that was really a thing. I thought they were just trying to do it for the, that character's benefit. Right. Because later on, we we sort of it's, it sort of hints that one of those two insurance adjusters has a crush on him. Mm. Uh, because numerous times, not only with her but with a later female character, they keep saying, "Any man but you," which because clearly they want to love this guy, mm-hmm. but he's nothing but trouble. Right. Exactly. And and not only that, but like. He's also lecherous, right? He loves the ladies. He doesn't mind peeking. Like, there's an episode in which he goes to bungee cord lengths to, like, jump off of a building so he can upside down stare at a naked woman. Like, he does things strictly for, you know, he did it all for the nookie, you know? Yeah. uh, That's his thing. He loves loves women. He's kind of a mumby-blumby guy, but he's very competent. So that's kind of his thing. So, um, and as you said with the six episodes, I think it – it really stretched that out too far because I think you, you, I wanted you to get to a point where I'm like, this is the part of the show that Garrett's going to get is that what you're going to find is that moral code being tested over the rest of the series. And I feel like it stretched out the is he or is he not a good person mm. thing for like way too long. But I think, I think that's just because I'm like very antsy for you to like get to that yeah, part. But to that point, the show is always going to put him in situations far more important that test right. whether he'll do the right thing or not. Right, exactly. And you realize that, like, for the OP character, they'll find their way out of it. It's not like you don't think he's going to do it. It's just like, right. how is he going to do it? And that's usually... Yeah, he does it in a different way. He doesn't do it by going goma goma, yeah. uh, flying fist. You know, he, right. he, he doesn't call uh, his attacks. He doesn't charge him. He's just a really good gunslinger. Um, and that's his thing. So who, like all great OPs, has a stupid appetite has a and stupid eats appetite. immense amounts of food. Mm-hmm. At one correct. point, they're like, how come you don't use bullets? And he said, well, for the price of a bullet, I can eat four hotcakes. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's true. You know, it's the, it's the Goku made everybody uh, a glutton uh, track. So another thing that I thought was interesting that I thought was unnecessary, but they do anyway, mm-hmm. is terminology in this show that I wanted to bring up with you. Like, I remember when I saw... This town is 60 aisles from July. I'm like, why couldn't you just say miles? What? It's not yards, Garrett. It's yards. Well. Which is, I guess, a pirate way of saying it. Like, it's well, 20 the, yards. Well, the, the listeners at home and watching on YouTube, are, they're going to say, all right, guys, you need to up your game on your reference Rolodex. <laughs> but it's, it's like watching Firefly yeah. <laughs> when they throw in Mandarin. And you're yeah. like, uh, is that necessary? I, mean, I guess you're sort of saying that in the future – 
it became more of a communal language and English and Mandarin were the most important because China and US, mm -hmm. uh, but, but it, for the sake of like the, the, the show, you're like, okay, that, that felt weird. And I don't know yeah. how consistent you're going to be with it. Right. And it's like, it's, it's not like it's a different language. It's not like it's easier to say, cause there's still L's and R's in it. Like they took out, you didn't take out any of the letters that are, de that are hard for Japan. Mm -hmm. You kept them in, you just took a little bit less consonants. So now you got aisles, yars, and then like, it's not just dollars, which is already hard by itself. You made it double do daughter do's. Right. <laughs> and, and, and which just to throw everyone back to our, uh, our intro. Yeah. Um, the pronunciation of love and peace <laughs> is spoken in direct English with a heavy, thick, barely discernible accent. So say and, with this, Rabu Endo Pisu. <laughs> it's 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 three syllables turn to six <laughs> and what's great is that he actually found a way of making peace mixed with love so this is this is definitely a visual gag but like you do the peace sign and then you cross your fingers and you say that's love and peace you got both in that in that in that situation so i don't know hmm. <laughs> way way to go vash <laughs> So, so Garrett, let's 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 frame a little bit of the episodes. What you found out? We talked a little bit about the characters. What happened in the first two or three episodes? Let's get it. Let's get a sense of like what people are looking forward to with the show. Right. Um, so, so we talked about in the first episode um, this group of of. I feel like it might only been one or two episodes, but we seem to always find Vash in a new town in a new cafe, minding his own beeswax. That's true. And, in like some cafe. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. You just brought it up, but yeah, I know where you're going with this. And like people just bring the trouble to him. You but know? like they do it in like the most damaging way. They're like they could just like knock in the door and say like you're under arrest, Vash. They have to like blow up the front side of the bar to get to him. <laughs> so, um, in the first episode, when we're sort of introduced to his backstory, uh, we don't know who Vash is. We know who Vash is. Right. 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 Uh, there's a group of bounty hunters mm -hmm. on the lookout for him because they want that $60 billion double dollars, son. Mm -hmm. And so they believe they've captured him, but because Vash is more of a story and it doesn't seem like there's TV or anything mm -hmm. or anything that can project right. images like, here is your suspect or anything like that. what he actually looks like, yeah. No one really knows what he actually looks like. So, in fact, one of the bounty hunters is mm -hmm. like 10 foot tall, Mm -hmm. with like a mohawk and the insurance adjusters, um, Millie and uh, Meryl, they think one of them is Vash. They're like, oh, this big mohawk dude who comes to town, he looks like a bad mother. And throws a boomerang, which cuts a building in half. <laughs> right. There's obviously the humanoid typhoon. Right. He also has like a cyborg arm. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> there is, there's also another bounty hunter after him named Loose Ruth, which is the <laughs> stupidest name. <laughs> oh, poor Japan. You're trying to make someone sound really cool, but he sounds like Loose Ruth. And hi, hi, I can imagine like an actual, like if I'm imagining like before you actually tell me what the character is, it's like, hi fellas, I'm Loose Ruth. And just like, she's like this like forties cocktail waitress that always no. calls you hun at the diner. <laughs> like, so they make him like 80 pounds soaking wet with a 10 gallon hat mm -hmm. and this curly Q blonde mm -hmm. mustache. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, we're supposed to think he's Wyatt Earp, I guess. And I his know. gun is like 
a pinwheel that like shoots a barrel and then rotates, ha- you know, 180 degrees and then another barrel is ready to shoot. So it's like constantly spinning on them. I thought that was kind of cool. I thought, I didn't know what you thought about like kind of the steampunk weapon aspect of like future Well, it was Beach early Western. for that style. To, yeah. It was early to get sort of creative with weaponry as opposed to just putting regular old mm-hmm. guns in there. Right. You know? I thought that was really cool how they like made none of the guns like kind of boring. They all made them really kind of interesting and cool to look at. So, yeah. So we meet Loose Ruth and we meet Mohawk, Red Shirt, Boomerang Man, and they're trying to find right. the Right, and, and so again, it ends up in this sort of um, desert set piece, probably because it was easy animation or cheap animation, mm-hmm. and there's this showdown, and through no real direct violence, Vash kind of gets himself out of trouble, except Loose Ruth had some dynamite or some explosives on him, and it takes out a cliff that <laughs> falls on the town and it knocks out half the town. So again, Vash is just an innocent dude. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was captured. He's just trying to get away. Some other dude's explosive goes off, but because he is the common denominator, mm-hmm. brother gets blamed be, for it. It's gotta be him. Right. And then Merrill and Millie, in order to get the supposed vashes that they found are offering them donuts during a gunfight and like mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to like bribe Vash from kill destroying any right. more of their property and right. stuff like that. Um, and I thought their, their weapons were interesting. What we found about Merrill and Millie is that, and I don't, I know for you, why, it's like, why is Millie seven foot tall and carries like a, like a gun that shoots like, like I'm going to say like, like gun. Yeah. Like, but like shoots like Christmas tree stands. Like, like he's like, <laughs> I'm like that was unnecessary. You don't need to do that. But I mean, it does the job. It knocks people out cold. And then Meryl has like twenty guns in her in her like cloak. They all are single shot, single bullets. So she's like, boom, next gun, boom, next gun, boom. And like that may look cool for and, the and animation. Millie, Millie is following her, picking, picking up, up her, her gun. gun. There's that so unnecessary. Put, like I'm sure you can pack just as many six shooters in there, and like sextuple your, your ways of getting through oh, it. So. Yeah. so I remember that was like, oh, like I know you're trying to be stylistic and everything, but that's just wasteful. Right. So, so the second episode was actually a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it was only my second episode of the show, so I, mm-hmm. it's not like I have a whole lot of background. So Meryl and Millie in this one are, are traveling through the desert, and they stop at the mansion of some local billionaire okay Mm -hmm. the whole town is out of water Mm -hmm. but they hear that this billionaire still has water so so they stop Mm -hmm. by because they're on the hunt again for vash because right somehow that guy got away that Mm -hmm. last time around but they still don't believe that vash is vash right exactly they they think it's someone else that they're looking for because he was so harmless and so nice and Mm -hmm. and they were like hanging uh, in in uh, by a tree and and he saved them so it couldn't possibly be him right, right exactly so in the second episode uh, they go to this billionaire's house and who answers the door blonde hair glasses red trench coat Vash who's not Vash and Vash. he's been hired uh, to be the bodyguard mm-hmm. of this this billionaire um, but we come to find out that he's not such a good guy. Mm-hmm. He's actually been somehow hoarding all of the town's water mm-hmm. and, and putting it under his building. Now I don't quite understand the business plan because in order to make money, you have to actually sell the product. 
Correct. But uh, but he's been hoarding it underneath. And um, I'm trying to see. There was there was another woman involved. His daughter, right? Uh, it was a. It was supposed to be like a business partner or like like a fellow corporate goon's daughter was coming to visit because she wanted to travel around the world and she's mm-hmm. you know dressed in the like American Girl outfit and all that stuff. So you know she was just there visiting and he was going to keep her safe by saying Vash was there essentially. Yeah. And we find out that Va- he didn't care that Vash was Vash. He just says, like, hi, random dude that walked in the door. I'm going to say you're Vash, and that's going to be good enough for everybody, and they're all going to flee, and then that's going to be the way it works. Well, that's the beauty of, of, of legend, right? Mm-hmm. Myth, myth can be greater than reality Correct. many yeah. times. Right, right. And we find out that actually the, the daughter is actually a bounty hunter herself. She's more of a sheriff. So mm-hmm. she's there to, like, investigate and kind of ruin the deeds of the water tycoon. So it's right. really cool because it juxtaposes – once again, the great, you know, shonen antagonist, protagonist idea of like bumping into cruelty, their morality bumps into that cruelty and how mm-hmm. does it kind of subvert it? I always appreciated that as a kid. And in this case, um, you know, Vash, even through his stumbling and bumbling, finds a, finds a way of winning it and also making it so no one dies. So it's like, how do you beat the situation, overcome the odds, but then also not kill anybody in the process and like I'll cut through a world. And that's what you get with Trigun. <laughs> So, so, so this bad guy, uh, Cliff Caesar, do you, would you say that he drank that town's milkshake? I would say he drank the milkshake. <laughs> and you have to do it, you have to, you have to do it like, uh, as a Daniel Day-Lewis style, you're like, I drank your milkshake. And then actually put like your finger. <laughs> <laughs> and then like screaming his ear, but I drank your milkshake. But yes, he did. He drank their milkshake and, uh. And that was it for the town. And, and there's also like other things that you find like um, a robbery in which like the idea of like the bad guy being the robbery and the good guy being the sheriff gets subverted. And that's where we get to the love and peace thing. And so the, for the first three episodes, you're kind of like growing to the idea that like Bash is a good person. The, mm-hmm. the, the legends aren't true. Maybe he's not as good as they, they say he is. And it's just all true uh, rumor. And as it got kind of that, that arc exposes itself, you realize, oh, no, Bash is actually really strong and powerful he just doesn't want to hurt anybody right so it's a really cool show and unfortunately i worry that you know you you got to a point that you're like i hope this isn't the whole show in fact the show changes complete direction over the course of the rest of the season Mm -hmm. but one thing i did want to task you with is whether or not you you actually watched the dub which you didn't which is fine um, I watched, I only watched the dub because remember this was, this was adult swim. They only gave yep. you the dubs. You didn't have like Hulu back then, which you could, you could choose two mm-hmm. separate tracks to listen to. Um, and I got to say the dub was not bad. I would say if you were to rank, cause you asked me, I think was it two or three episodes ago where yeah. you said, what are the best dubs? I would say Cowboy Bebop's like the pinnacle full metal Alchemist is like one a, and mm-hmm. then like two minus is, is a uh, giant because okay. they're good. The mouth flaps match. The guy who plays Vash is a little too soft-spoken. Like he's like, he kind of sounds like you know Michael Jackson if he had chest hair, like, like you know, just like if you took like the heck is and like made a little deeper, like heck is, like that's 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 where Vash was on the pitch and in, in tone scale. Yeah. Uh, but I also wanted to bring this up because you asked me like, how do you know if there's going to be a good dub? And I wanted to kind of give you like the rules on how to know if a dub is good or if you're going to get a good dub. Mm-hmm. The first and biggest indicator of whether or not a dub is going to be good or if you're going to get a good dub, does it have a DVD box set? 
That's the first thing. And is it sold in the United States? Oh, so sort of like, was it even worthy? Right. You're going to find that if the dub... Now, this only applies to old ones, though, because no one buys DVDs anymore. So. Right, correct. So that's, that's the second thing. The second thing is, what is its age? Mm-hmm. If it's old and has a DVD box set, obviously it's going to have a good dub because you're not going to get those terrible dubs out there and they're not going to sell them in the store because as you said, like the, right. the cost of that is way too much. So the first thing is the age of it. The first thing is, is does it have a DVD box set? And that's mm-hmm. where I knew, knew the dub was going to be good because there's no way that like my cousin who doesn't have as much interest in Japan as I did owned that unless he like wasn't really off. thought it was killer. Right. Really thought, yeah, he actually thought it was really good. The third thing is the setting. If the show is based off of actual Japan, the dub is probably going to be terrible. Okay. And that is because Japan is Japan. United States cannot translate what is a very obviously Japanese things into English. It just, it, the, the mm-hmm. streams do not cross. But if you're doing a world in which there's aisles and yards, yards and double dar- dollars set in a pseudo Western world in the middle of space, the dub might not be so bad. Because there's nothing really to cross over. It's not like there's a lot of inside jokes. There's not right. a lot of slang being thrown. So, and even then, like the vocabulary is going to be kind of universal between those two things. So those are the kind of ways that I know that you can find out whether okay. or not they're going to be uh, good dubs. But this, I figure, remember this was going to be a uh, a pretty decent dub. But it was, like I said, it's two minus. Um, another thing that I wanted you to know is what you're going to be looking forward to as you contribute, because I really do want to continue. Like much like assassination nation classroom, like these two episodes are me like going like, you're just push a little further. I think you'll like it mm-hmm. is what you'll find is that Vash has a nemesis and that nemesis's name is millions knives, which is the most edgelord name I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm like, I'm like tr- I was trying to think of jokes for this show of like, mm-hmm. what's a more edgelord name than like millions knives as would be like, you know, you know, Tank Fister or like you know, <laughs> Dr- Dragon Breath McGovern. Like, what is, what's a good? I couldn't think of it because nothing is more rad than the name Millions Knives. It gives you, yeah. it gives you something crazy and badass, knives, and it gives you a lot of them, millions of them. Millions right. Knives, great, great name for, for an antagonist. Um, just like Sid, like, what was it? Uh, Vicious. The guy's name was actually Vicious. Yeah. Which makes me also think that is like 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 Vince McMahon probably thought of these mm-hmm. these names like well, like Ice Dagger. Well, keep in mind that Sid Vicious was a complete ripoff of Sid Vicious, the bassist for um, uh, Sex Pistols. Sex Pistols, yeah. Right. So you meet Millions Knives, and Millions Knives hates Vash and 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 hates his morality. And there's a reason you'll learn about what what their mm-hmm. connection is with each other. But he really wants to. Not only because he knows that Vash is powerful, he wants to destroy his morality first. He wants to make him kill and break him. He wants to break his morality. So he sends off these, uh, he sends up these like goons at him, these superpowered goons at him, and they're called the Gung Ho Guns, which is an interesting name for like mm-hmm. you know like we're a bunch of assassins. We're the Gung Ho Guns. Like and it's not as like Millions Knives was the two edge lords, so they used it all up. And they right. think of the, the game. And the gung ho guns are like these assassins that are consistently going after him, murdering people in front of Vash, trying to get him to kill him because they're too powerful. Like you have to kill us in order to beat us and to find out how Vash gets away with it. Right. So knowing that, like, is that something you might be interested in, in learning about? Absolutely. Well, this it sounds very much like the way like Heath Ledger's Joker pushes Batman is Exactly. He, that's a great that's a great comparison. He doesn't 
I mean, he wants to hurt him, but really he wants to crush his soul. Mm -hmm. Right. More than just physical pain. Because physical pain, it either ends you or it can be temporary or, but emotional pain can cripple you. Right. And this morality that he uses is something that he's very much against. Yeah. But like you're, you're super powerful. Why don't you use it? You know? So even there's like kind of more of like an altruism to it too. It's like, why aren't you using this strength, this power that you have? Right. And I got to get that out of you, that kind of thing. So there's like this really, it's a very, he's a very layered villain. Um, and the gung ho guns all have names, clever similar, names, clever names, similar to Vash the stampede, usually in the blank, the blank name. Mm-hmm. He's a name, the name. Like that's usually the thing. So Pap the schmear. <laughs> Pap the schmear. <laughs> well, we're going to find out if these names stand the test of being as cool as Vash the Stampede because you and I are going to be playing a little game here, Garrett. Okay, okay. I'm going to give you a list of 10 names. All right. That are either gung-ho guns or <laughs> band members to metal bands. <laughs> And you have to tell me it, whether it's... So you can either answer by saying gung-ho gun or metal band member. So I actually don't know much about this band, but for the metal band member names, is it essentially guar? Is it like... A lot of them are Swedish. <laughs> or Dutch or some kind of like Slavic country that like is kind of like Rammstein. So Garrett, we are going to play gung-ho gun or metal band member. All right. All right, Garrett. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Lay it on me. The first one is Monev the Gale. Metal band. That is a gung-ho gun. Ah. And in fact, the first gung-ho gun you will will meet in in this show. The second name, Deer the Engray. Metal band. That is an actual Japanese metal band, not an actual member. So I threw a little curveball. The actual band's name is okay. Dirt and Gray. Uh, the next one, the, the, there's two in here that don't have a the in between, but that doesn't mean it's not a gung-ho gun. The next one is E.G. Mine, spelled M-I-N-E. That's a gung-ho gun. That is a gung-ho gun. Uh, Hoppered the Gauntlet. Would you go, now in my head I'm playing strategy about... Uh, because it's really just a crapshoot on the name. So I'm like, would he give me two in a row? I will say that is also a gung-ho gun. That is a gung-ho gun. His Woo! name is Hopper to the bang, 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 bang. The next one is G.G. Allen. Metal name. That is a metal band name, yes. Next one is called Mid-Valley the Horn Freak. We grew up, and across the river from us was a place called Mid-Valley Wine and Liquor. This is the Horn Freak from Mid-Valley. The the Horn Freak from Newburg. Yes. Um, I'm going to say uh, Gung-Ho Gun. That is a Gung-Ho Gun. And really, (laughs) Mid-Valley the Horn Freak actually uses a saxophone, a saxophone as a weapon. And actually has, like, guns in his music, like, controlled people mind. He's Mid-Valley the Horn Freak, yeah. Uh, Juan the Brujo. Metal. That is a metal fan artist, yeah. So I'm the bro. Gall the Godseed. Metal. That is a metal fan person. Gary, you're you're killing it. Your I don't know what the difference is in my brain, but something is like clicking about whether Japanese people would think it would be cool for an anime or whether some Swedish dude <laughs> thinks it would be cool. The next one is Gray the Nine Lives. 
Gung-ho gun. That is a gung-ho gun. Great than nine lives, yes. And finally, Alindira, the Crimson Nail. Uh, I'm going to go with Metal Band. That is the only one of two you missed. Yes, Indira, the Crimson Nail is a gung-ho gun, only found in the manga, Garrett. You know what? I got to say you're ready. You're ready for the next couple episodes. That's your prize is that you're going to be able to fully finish this show now that you know that the right. gung-ho guns have ridiculous names. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the show. I think you made a note uh, about sort of just like, the world in which it exists and it's got right. a lot of things that appealed to me you know how much i love westerns yes exactly and, and but also they get some stuff like so right like there are just moments where it's like the intro scene to a mm -hmm. town mm -hmm. and they just give a little pretty guitar strum and it's in the way the music that... is very much what i thought would really tie you in because it's either like that like like the theme song which is very like or it's like very like 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 merengue guitar or like that like yeah. Tex-Mex style mm -hmm. of guitar playing that, yep. you know. A little bit like, of finger picking. It's like, uh, do you remember those info infomercials for Esteban? Yes, I do with his nails that were like, he could have been a gung-ho gun with those nails, I think. <laughs> Esteban, Esteban, Esteban the, the uh, 10 inch nailer. Like. Yeah. Esteban the pointer. <laughs> I couldn't say finger, that would, did us, that would get us uh, <laughs> for those at home who have, may have no idea what we were talking about, because I think Kyle and I really... I'm putting his picture right here. <laughs> being in our mid-30s, I think we came in at the end of this, but Esteban used to teach you how to play flamenco, yeah. and he would... Kyle used to really good guitarist, by the way. College. He is actually an exceptional guitarist. Right, but you'd be like, uh, so all you have to do is you just go... Yes. <laughs> and he had fingernails that were like cocaine snorting level like it was on like, every finger on every finger and he was like fantastic guitarist i also don't know if esteban was actually spanish i think his oh, name oh I like think he's, someone from california who wore a cowboy hat and a bolo tie right like i think his name is just steven and he's like no one's gonna watch a steven but they will watch a esteban name like steven what was dan teaches guitar yes you if you anyone who lives in New York City, you know Dan teaches guitar. Yeah. Sorry for the 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 aside. Anyway, right. uh, so the music, yes, absolutely tied me in. Uh, the world I thought was cool. It just had a lot of stuff that that I dig. It didn't, you know. There was some funky stuff. I don't know why they went with a uh, was it a father son team called the Nebraska family. Yes, the Nebraska family, and like really the like the, the son only went like. <laughs> like right. really and he was he was sort of like a Franken creation. Right, exactly, with like a power fist, and the dad was like a scientist. Mm -hmm. It was you know what? I wonder if they made fun of that in One Punch Man with the with the brothers that were in uh Yeah, exactly when he like slaps yeah, him slaps the, the guy. I want I think that was like a a, a Nebraska family tie-in from, hmm. from in One Punch Man, but yeah. And uh, just so you know, for those out there who were wondering who want some closure on Esteban, uh who he's actually named the Stephen Paul. He's from Pittsburgh and lived in Tempe, Arizona. So, yes, Gary, you're absolutely correct. He's a man, a white dude from Arizona who wore a bolo tie. So, we have now put a closure on Esteban. Who lived in Arizona. He's from Pittsburgh. He's like, I love flamenco and Steelers football. Yeah. <laughs> I love me some Bed Rufflesburger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 
So Garrett, I, I, so it seems like there are the, some, the, so the flavors that you liked, it's mature. It yeah. has the Western stuff. It's got the music. It's got the pauses, which I think you and I really like of like sitting with Vash, just sitting and looking at a glass of whiskey, mm-hmm. you know, just right. those moments of just like calm before the storm. Right. And, and in particular, there is a moment, uh, we encourage each of you out there who decide to take this on, at least make it to six. Right. Six, episode six is pivotal. It is important. It mm-hmm. is a transitional episode away from a lot of introductory stuff and into some really more detailed and heavy stuff. And in particular, there's a moment at the end of the episode, no spoilers, no alert, yeah. where they are not afraid to be quiet Mm. for about two or three minutes and that feels like forever but i like the choice Mm. and i think it's powerful because of it and there's three points of order that really flesh out vash which i think i think wet your appetite a little bit more finding more about him because he's not just going to be the bumbling fool the rest of the show he's going to actually be a hero towards Mm -hmm. the show and this was kind of like the beginning of him dropping the veil a little bit that kind of like because you feel like he's playing the fool for the sake of his power right like he's he doesn't want Mm -hmm like anybody to know that he's actually really good at stuff. Cause he doesn't want people picking fights with him. He wants to be, he doesn't want to kill anybody. So hey, he's on a quest, I believe. Right. He is. He definitely is. So, um, so that kind of leads us to a good question, Garrett. Would you keep watching this show now that you've seen the six episodes, now that you know about millions knives, the, 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 the edge Lord and all of the great gung ho guns you're going to be learning about later. Would you keep watching Trigun? Uh, and would you give it a few more episodes or would you finish it? Because it actually doesn't have that many seasons. I think it's only like two or three seasons. Oh, it's only two or three seasons? Yeah. Probably like 10 or 15 It's Cowboy episodes. Bebop length, I think. Okay. Yeah, I'd absolutely plow through it. Mm. 100%. It's, right. it's worth your time. And it's mm-hmm. definitely worth my time. And I also would say as a weeb, it's pivotal for for those who want to just like learn about the history of what made North America fall in love with this thing. And so to like kind of button the answer to the question, like what resonated with North American audiences, I think it was that it told a Western story without making it a caricature of Western story. It added sci-fi elements. It added comedy. It adds really cool action and it added a really cool story you don't hear a lot about, which is like the OP, you know, character with morals. And I think also there's a little bit of, we might also have a little bit of rose-colored glasses, I admit, you know, because yeah. of our, our tie with Adult Swim and maybe even the first one you've watched. So. Well, he also, despite the fact that every episode he comes out on top because he is mm-hmm. an OP, he shows more restraint in that. Whereas mm-hmm. like in One Piece, Monkey D. Luffy is like totally proud to swing his fist mm-hmm. around and One Punch Man is totally proud to swing his fist mm-hmm. around and all these guys have no issues ending thing quickly Vash tries everything within his power to avoid that situation. Right. And you know? I think you really, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, you're not wondering. And I mean, and at one point, at one point, the villagers that he saves turn on him mm. because they're so hungry and poor and yeah. reward money seems so sweet. Mm-hmm. And he empathizes with them. Mm-hmm. He understands why you would do that. Mm-hmm. You know? And, I think that is like, it's not whether or not Vash will lose a fight against a bad guy. It's whether Vash will keep his morals throughout the course of the story. Right. And they really might end up being his downfall because you might have an OP, but he's unwilling. He's like meatloaf. He will do anything, but he won't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I will do anything for love. (laughs) 
Yeah. So Garrett, and, and, gonna... and, and and you know he'd be willing to take the fall if it meant if it meant not compromising his morals. Yeah, and also so we're we're talking about the package of cool music. We're talking about the package of like seeing really cool classic anime. The dub's decent, like all that stuff. Fleshed so out that, character. Fleshed out character. Uh, there's really no annoying characters too. That's another thing. It's not like you have like for every One Piece, you're still going to get a Usopp that's like kind of annoying through the show. You're not going to get that character, so you're never going to be annoyed by it. Um. So now we're going to kind of get into our Weebin Noob score, as we always do. Okay. For those of you, this is your first time watching. I, I love you for joining us, and we hope that you stick with us throughout this. Please rate and subscribe. Uh, is that the Weebin Noob score really doesn't define its good or badness. Once again, it's to define the priority to watch now. It's to say, like, I love this thing. Should I watch it right away? Or, you know, and I love anime or is it, I love anime. And this is something that like other titles have done this, you know, this, or it's really tough to get through. Same thing with the, we've been, we, the noob score is like, is it hard to get into? Are there barriers to entry? And Garrett, maybe you can dive in a little bit more if there's barriers to entries to the show. Um, it's like for a new person, knowing that you have limited bandwidth to kind of take on this, this large genre, should you watch it? So for my weeb score, I'm going to give this a 9.0. Ooh. truly based on its classicness i know it's 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 hot fire like like dylon uh <laughs> it spits hot fire um no but i i think really what's important i think for you garrett i i love the show i it's it's one of the like i don't watch movies more than once i've watched trigun through four times you don't watch movies more than once I don't tend to do that i know you're probably like yeah i found you kind i knew this movie you watched more than once no i don't tend the keyword being 10. I don't tend to like watching movies more than I rewatched Jurassic Park the other week for the umpteenth time. And that was fantastic. Yeah. It's anyway. a good movie. Yeah. I just, I, I think for me, I like stories to give me that feeling and I want to hold on to that feeling, right? I yeah. want to get that closure and I want to put it away and hold on to that feeling forever. Understood. And, and this one where... was so good. You were like, Nope, give it to me again. Right. Right. And I feel like there's like little layers that I didn't catch the first time. Like I think a good story does that. And I want to learn more about everybody's backstory, what their things are. So mm -hmm. once again, I want to get this to 9.0 for every weave out there, just like to, for your chronology of anime, this is the one that should be in your list. Uh, this is up there with Cowboy Bebop, probably not as high as Cowboy Bebop or Samurai Champloo, but it should be in your, it should be in your library for sure. So Garrett, for your noob score, what do you give it? Ocho point Cinco. No. Shelly. I give it an 8.5. Uh, right. um, it's not that I don't think it deserves a 9. I might not have gotten to where I would give it a 9. Perhaps you are wearing... I'm not going to say you're wearing rose-colored glasses because rose-colored glasses implies that you were romanticizing something that was never good in the first place. Mm -hmm. but it's quite clearly good in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting storyline. Animation is of the time. Can't do anything about that. Try not to hold it against yeah. it. Yeah. You know, that's a little bit of a barrier um, to entry. I can admit. Mu music was really terrific. Fewer barriers to, to entry than a lot of other ones. Mm. Um, I, again, uh, I know Westerns can be tough for certain people, mm. slower pace, whatnot. Maybe they're not interested in gunslinger stories. Mm -hmm. uh, but for me, I really, really liked it. And I told you in sort of our pre show uh, brief discussion how through episodes one, two, and three, I was like, mm. okay. I could keep watching this. Mm -hmm. And after episodes four, five, and six, I was like, okay, okay, I want to watch this. And it was just sort of like a, a flip of, you know, you have shown me on this journey bad things mm -hmm. intentionally. And yeah. guess what? I didn't want to watch it again. <laughs> but when we do a lot of these deep dives, 
people out there, I want you to know, Kyle's given me a lot of times the best of the best. Mm -hmm. And so I'm probably going to come away with positive scores because he's not giving me, you know, like, you know, he's giving me Metal Gear Solid. He's not giving me Siphon Filter. (laughs) Even though I loved Siphon Filter. (laughs) You liked shooting the taser and watching the guy, like, burn to a fire and burn up. That is a, that is a, playstation original console joke y'all for yeah for it's, and it's a it's a it's a good uh, one at that but so, 8.5 i dig it yeah and i'm glad you're gonna watch it because like i think it's just like one of those things that i just want to like shoulder check you into like nine and ten get you to like start mm-hmm. the whole millions knives saga i sure. think that'll like once you get towards like the middle the end of the first season into the second season it'll make a lot more sense and, and it'll sure. be more deep and stuff like that and i was i was telling myself that like i knew that when you got to six and you said you were at five. I was like, just try to go a little further just for the sake mm-hmm. of the show. Um, and I agree. It's, it's going to take a little bit of time to get there. You have to kind of understand where the show is going. And then once you do, it's really good. Um, and so I appreciate you going on the journey. And as Gary was saying, sometimes I intentionally mess with him. And other times, maybe the well's going to get a little dry. And I'm going to have to give him, <laughs> I'm going to have to just put some flaming poo on his, on his porch and have him stomp it down on his own. Right. Uh, <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be like, all right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the 15th deep dive into One Piece. And, uh, <laughs> Where we exclusively talk about Nami's breasts. Uh, <laughs> so once again, if for Garrett, uh, you know, I appreciate you doing a deep dive in this show. It's one of the ones that hit to my heart uh, as a fan. But I honestly think it's really just as important to hear your thoughts. Was Trigon one of those shows that you saw on Adult Swim that made you really like anime like it did for me? Is it one of those shows that got a little too annoying? Was it too old, too classic, and it didn't really kind of fit your, your taste buds? Is there other styles that are likely to do it better? and Or is it something that you think deserves to be on the upper echelons of what anime has to offer? Let us know in the comments below because we want to continue the conversation, especially for a title like this one. Um, I also want you to subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel as well as uh, rate and comment about us on our uh, on our podcast page, wherever your podcasts are found. Um, but otherwise, before we go, Garrett, do you have any closing thoughts about this? Uh, I do. I just want to say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, if you have a nickname given to you, you're probably pretty cool. If you have a second nickname, you're a douche. <laughs> Yes, and so we got Kyle the Weeb and, and Garrett the Noob ready to go out and get gung-ho gunny with this world um, and go off into the sunset by wishing you all a great week and see you next time. Take care, guys. Bang, bang! <laughs>